Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, Link's wearing Uggs, Zelda is Bay, we're updating the classics. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with ya. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's always fun to hear the music live when we're recording the show in person, because when we record it remotely, you insert the music afterwards, so yeah, we right. just observe a moment of silence um, every time the it transition a, music would be happening. Right. It is, it is a brief moment. I feel like we don't get quite as hyped up as we normally would, mm-hmm. and I don't wait the full... Right, like right. length of time, because I'm going to chop up the episode anyway. Yeah, but now, now when we're doing it live, and then we'll put that in quotes because, like, I push a button on the keyboard. <laughs> um, but I feel like it, just experiencing the time that passes with the listener, I feel like we're more in tune with them. I feel like we're going to have a good show. I think they're going to have a good show. I could not be more excited about what we're doing today. I completely agree, and I don't want to delay getting into it too long. But I am dying yes. to know what is the Mars. Wisconsin Cheese Castle. Okay, so you added the word Wisconsin oh, to it. Oh, that's not in Which there. I don't appreciate. Is it Kenosha or is it just the Mars no, so, Cheese Castle? So it, it is in, so this is a a, uh, a landmark uh, store that I went to on my uh, recent visit to my hometown of Kenosha, Wisconsin. But not your first visit. No, 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 not my first visit. Um, I have been many times, and y- you had asked me before we started recording, what is the Mars Cheese Castle? What does one do? Because the name conjures... What does it conjure? Like uh, a castle made out of cheese on the planet Mars, or perhaps uh, the home cheese castle of the god, of, the Roman god of war, right? Like one of right. these two things. Mm-hmm. In reality, it is a sort of combination uh, souvenir store, liquor store, grocery, deli, cheese bar. castle. Well, there's a, there's a lot of cheese. Okay, in it. yeah, yeah. That- that's really all I hope for. It would be disappointing to hear like, oh, they dabble in cheese. There's no, a I little mean, they, bit of cheese. They're way into cheese. Okay. Um, there is also, there is a facade to the place that makes it look like a castle. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mark, would it surprise you to learn that that was not always the case? Yeah, it would actually. That it, does surprise me. It was not always the case. There was a, wa- a long time where it was just like a regular rectangular building. Yeah, I'm glad that they rectified that. Yeah. I would be... Uh, Livid. I would, yeah, I would. I'd be really disappointed if somebody was like, "Hey, I'm going to take you to the Mars Cheese Castle," right? And just roll up, you know, to like a, uh, uh, going to say TJ Maxx, but what I meant was, uh, <laughs> not Tahoe Joe's, Trader Joe's. Yeah, there just we go. Like a Trader Joe's. I, I mean, mean I guess all those would work. That's that is likely what your experience would have been in like 1993 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, you know, we got some beer there. We got uh, uh, some various glasses and mugs. Um, I also got some spicy popcorn, some spicy cheese popcorn. Oh, okay, there, great. Uh, to enjoy while walk- watching the uh, Bucks game. I guess I'm into the NBA now. Mark, we don't have time to really get into the ins and outs of my experiences in Wisconsin. Uh, but we do have to go over the fact that you could borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. If you wanted to, all you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address so I can mail my copy of Sonic Forces to you um 
I pay for postage both ways. It is a hassle-free program. Perfect program. There is one hassle. Uh, you may There's a 50% chance that you will get uh, a copy of Untitled Goose Game. Instead, same rules apply, though. You play it for as long as you want, and then you send it back, uh, and you are all the better for it. If it's a feature or a bug to get Untitled Goose Game is really up to you. Like so much of the Sonic it's borrowing a goose, program, right? It's it's not yes. a feature, a bug. Uh-huh. No, it's a goose. <laughs> like so much of the Sonic borrowing program, however you view it, it is of course the perfect program. Of course, and there's no rules, right? Ex- yeah, there's no rules. Right. The rule is you have to send it back eventually. Yeah, yeah that's it. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate it so much. If we will shout you out on the show, if you leave us a review in the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, that is where I check. But if you review us anywhere else, um, even if you just shout us out on Twitter, let us know. Send us an email. Send us a direct message on Twitter, and we will shout you out on the show. We appreciate it very much. Yeah, um, we, we like that uh, a whole heck of a lot. Mark, we have a, a big topic today. Uh, that I think we have decided is going to go into a two-part episode. I say I think like we didn't uh, nail it down before we started recording. Um, but we are going to be modernizing, conceptually anyway, all of the games in the Legend of Zelda series, starting with the original. So let's get to it. Let's modernize the Legend of Zelda. Now, obviously, we're talking about this, right? Because Skyward Sword HD just came out. There are some quality of life improvements that make it a more accessible game in 2021 than the original was 10 years ago. Um, And it kind of just got me thinking about, like, what it takes to make these older games uh, both feel um, accessible in any way and actually fun to play Mm -hmm. in the modern day on modern hardware yeah i mean we will get to Link's awakening but i feel like Link's awakening is a good example of tr- uh trying to thread a needle and you know whether it was successful or not because it's like did they modernize it yes it's like available on yes modern platforms different graphics all that kind of stuff but is it like as the there are still flaws in the game right does it does it provide enough of a modern gaming experience and i think one of the things that makes this so difficult for zelda games and like a lot of them have been uh remade or remastered or represented in one form or another um but i think one of the things that makes it so hard for the series is that um zelda is always or is frequently at any rate a game that is built to the limitations and the specifications of the hardware mm-hmm. right um you know, one of the first things that we see is like, here's an example of how the, uh, the Wii works is Twilight Princess, right? Like, that's swinging the sword with the, with the remote. That's uh, using the nunchuck as like a, your method to actually make Link run around. It is as though the system and the game were built like in tandem, right? Like, and you, you see that in um, the Phantom Hourglass and uh, just so many of these games where you're like, oh, yes, this is clearly designed for this very specific hardware in mind, um, which, like, you can sort of see that in other Nintendo properties, but, like, Zelda is really bearing that banner, uh, I feel like, more than anyone else. Yeah, and so I guess, do we want to just kind of dive into it? Yeah, let's dive into it. Um, We are going to start by talking about the original Legend of Zelda, originally released on the Famicom in 19... 
sixty no, nineteen eighty six, not nineteen sixty eight. That would be wrong. Uh, and then eighty seven in uh, North America and the rest of the world. Um, so the the slight difference between those two releases is uh, in Japan. Um, it was released with the password feature, uh, and when it came out in uh, the rest of the world, it had the battery uh, like save feature, um, which would then like come back to um, Japan later. Um, so that that is like slightly different versions of of the release. Uh, the the game has been re released a bunch of different times. Uh, we don't really need to go through all, all the different times it's been released, but it's been largely unchanged the entire time. I mean, it's a Stone Cold classic, so yeah. this is a pretty uh, presumptuous one of us to start with because you know the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, it's a classic. Still works. Yeah. Um, and you know, to to what I was saying before about like Zelda games being made for the platform that they're on. I'm always uh, amazed by Nintendo's ability to take the limitations of whatever hardware and actually like deliver a magical experience out of it. Um, like you can look back on so many other games that like seemingly have ambitions beyond the hardware or beyond the limitations uh, that like you have to sort of like squint to see what it, what it is. And Zelda is just like, no, this, we mean to tell it this way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like uh, the original Legend of Zelda is a great example of that. But we're going to throw all that mastery out the window. <laughs> well, I think that's what's tricky about it, because it yeah. is like a Stone Cold classic. And on the one hand, it is a perfect game. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's not a perfect game. This is correct. Because it's obtuse, right? Right. And that is some of the joy of that game. I think one of the reasons why The Legend of Zelda became uh, such a hit was because there was a lot of it that was really obtuse, you know, people. And so people just ended up spending time, like trying to burn every bush on the map. Right. Right. You know, like it felt like such a, um, at the time, such a revolutionary thing that you could explore endlessly. Similar to kind of how like Breath of the Wild felt, you know, for me when I was playing it. And. But well, I mean, that's, like, that, that, that's an interesting comparison to draw, right? Because. Um, you know, we, we've all seen like the screenshots of the sort of Breath of the Wild prototype that they made in the Legend of Zelda uh, like engine, right? So that you they just like built up the physics engine and we're like, let's just execute it in 8-bit. Um, so like, I think for me, that's where I start the idea of like how to remake, remaster, whatever. I mean, I think, I think it's a game that you could just re-release all the time. They basically have um, just like going through uh, it was uh, re-released on uh, the GameCube uh, and on Game Boy Advance and the Wii and the 3DS and the Wii U on the NES Classic Edition, the NES Switch, Switch Online, and it's going to be on the Zelda Game & Watch, right? Right. So I think you could just put it out, and that makes it acceptable for modern audiences. But here's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see, instead of Breath of the Wild in 8-bit, I want to see the original Legend of Zelda in the Breath of the Wild engine. Interesting. Exact same map, exact same enemy placement, exact same order of dungeons and whatever. Dungeons in a, uh, a Breath of the Wild-like game. Just do that in the Breath of the Wild engine. Yeah, that's really... that. I mean, that's really interesting. I... It's a huge undertaking, it's a It's a huge undertaking, but for me, it, that kind of feels like Link's Awakening Syndrome. Where mm. when I replayed Link's Awakening, I loved the game. It was such a fun experience. I really got frustrated with a lot of the dungeons and yeah. like did not yeah. enjoy the dungeons. 
And so, and I feel that way about The Legend of Zelda. When we, you and I replayed The Legend of Zelda for, um, we used to have a, a NCS Classics where we did, uh, like, we would play a game and break it up into chapters. Yeah. We did that with The Legend of Zelda. You can go back and listen to those if you're interested. But, um, you know, like, the obtuseness of Legend of Zelda, of the original Legend of Zelda, like, I can appreciate, but I don't think is, for me, particularly fun to experience cold. Sure. Like, the la- the final dungeon in oh, the, the original Legend of Zelda is, a mess. Is, is awful. Like, yeah. I think it's a bad... Like, it is not fun to play. Um, it's not fun to try to, like, figure out, like, stumble your way through it. And I don't imagine that it would be more fun in 3D. I mean, probably not. But I do think one of the things that would improve anyone's experience of The Legend of Zelda, or especially The Last Dungeon, is a map that is more explicit about. Because that, that dungeon is so much like you have to work your way into some dumb little corner. And you're warping all over the place. And then place. you're warping all over the place. If there was a map that was more explicit about, like, these stairs take you over here um, so that you could actually, like, map out where you're going. Um, so, yeah, I wonder if just, like, better signposting would would help that game. Yeah, it's it's weird. I think that's a difficult tension just because... Yeah. Part of what made The Legend of Zelda so um, iconic is the fact that there was so much to discover and explore. Right. But I, my experience has been going back to it that that is also what makes it very frustrating. Um, that being said, like, to, I wonder if it's, like, a little bit of both, right? Because I feel like Square Enix has been experimenting with remaking classic uh, JRPGs in more modern engines. Sure. And I I think it's, you know, whether they're always successful or not, I think that is a a a a way to modernize them. And usually like systems are updated a little bit, right? It's not like a one-to-one translation. Right, right, right. In the way I would I keep going back to Link's Awakening. And I do feel like it would be really cool to see the Legend of Zelda come back in that way. Like in in a really like substantive like trying to take the spirit of the dungeon, take the spirit of the map, and like just represent it that way. Yeah, and being like, uh, I mean, there, there's also not so yeah. not hung up on the fidelity. Yes, yeah. Well, and so like this is one where it sort of like really begs the question of like if you're going to attempt a remake, like mean it, right? Like really work at remaking it. You can't just repackage it. You can't just put like 16-bit sprites on here or like you know anime sprites or whatever, and like pump it back out like you need to do something substantial to it yeah i mean you have it here on the list they did remake it in like uh for the snes right with the satellaview yes yes and we'll get to satellaview games in in a little bit here um but yeah like they they did sort of remake it in the uh link to the past uh engine um but also different from that too the more i read about it the more i was like i don't think this is really a remake oh, of, uh-huh. it seems like it maybe in, in spirit only um but yeah i i mean i, I think like you gotta you gotta really mean it it's, it it is interesting how much this game has been untouched since then right yeah totally i mean some of it is like how are you going to remake it is almost like breath of the wild yeah. is a spiritual remake of the original game. totally because it's also like why would you touch the, the original Super Mario Brothers. Except they did a bunch of times. <laughs> That's right. That's right, they did. Um, well, should we move on to Zelda 2 The Adventures 
the adventure link or did you have more uh, yeah i just said i just said one more thing to yeah. say about uh the legend of zelda um and maybe a way to make the dungeons more navigable mm. um is just to have a a visual distinction between rooms yes um oh yes because you end up walking in so many circles uh, and you know the game has a limited uh, like visual palette um and you go into a dungeon and it's like this dungeon's all blue uh, and that's it like literally every room is blue um, and so you'll walk into many rooms that look and or feel exactly the same. And if they felt a little different, you could sort of like get a, uh, have a, a clearer view of like where you've just been. And if you've been here already, I'll tell you what it doesn't need to be huh? like dark soul. No, we don't need a remake of legend we, of Zelda. Like we dark do souls. not. We do not need that. Uh, all right. Moving on to Zelda two, the adventure of link on the NES and the Famicom 1987 in Japan, 1988 in North America and the rest of the world. This is another one that has been, uh, ported over to just about everything the gamecube the game boy advance uh available on the virtual on all the virtual consoles on the uh, nes classic edition the nes switch online and of course coming to the zelda game and watch at the end of the year overshadowed by everything that came before yep and everything everything that came before everything that came before game. <laughs> uh every all the zelda games that came after this is definitely like uh um the george lazenby Bond movie sure, yeah. of like the Zelda series where, where you're like it's really a Diana Rigg movie <laughs> and it's not bad yeah right it's just like it's its own thing that but that did not that flavor did not continue and so right, it like stands right. out I think for me Zelda 2 is has so many elements of what we now consider to be like Metroidvania I agree with that this assessment I, so far. And Metroidvanias are more popular now than they have ever been, ever, thanks to, I think, you know, like the indie game boom. Mm -hmm. I think you just lean into that and you make Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link a true, like, Metroidvania experience. Yeah. Well, and so do you do that with, like, a, are, are you suggesting, like, a specific indie developer or, like, a, another indie game that you would want to, like, mold zelda 2 into that mold i'm thinking more like and i don't think you have like mercury's theme do it but more of that like samus returns type thing i where... mean that, this is exactly where my mind goes is like just samus returns that bad boy um present what is basically the same game with a very similar map and just sand away those edges yeah make it look nice add a a counter uh, attack button this one it's sort of Sort of 2D Dark Souls, this bad boy. <laughs> well, uh, it may is, just be Hollow Knight. Uh, you, it, ho you're Hollow Knighting it, it maybe. It is interesting. Uh, so thinking about this now, and it has been a while since I have played Zelda 2, and I was not familiar with it um, really before we played it. Like, I didn't play it very much as a kid. It was not until we played yeah. it for the show that I, like, really experienced it. But it kind of does Skyward Swordy type combat, right? Like, in the sense where... Where you are attacking the enemy, whether it's high, low, yeah. like that makes a difference. Um, I don't have like a thought to tie that all together. I'm just like think that's interesting yeah. to see that kind of come back. Well, I mean, just sort of like welcoming the um like intensity of the combat and the specificity of the combat, um, in a way that uh, you know, like it's it's not tied to you know, just, uh, sorry, I'm all over the place here. <laughs> um, but, uh, just to like tie it back to a, a style of Metroidvania that I don't think it, it should be like, um, that the attacks are not tied to Link's mobility. Like they're two separate mm -hmm. things, right? So it's not something in, in line with like, uh, Guacamelee, for example. Um, it is, uh, something probably more like 
Hollow Knight or uh, like the combat of Dead Cells um, without actually being like the sort of, uh, you know, roguelite uh, elements there. Just being more like invested in like how Link actually fights. Yeah. I, and so for me, I, I keep going back to the Samus Returns thing because yeah. Samus Returns changed combat in Metroid and actually made it more like with the counter move, it made it more combat-like. Yes. And not just, uh, like, there's a give and take to it in a way that wasn't part of Metroid before. And I, I don't need this, for me, this Zelda 2 Adventure of Link, like, Metroidvania, to be uber-challenging in the way that, like, a Hollow Knight can be. Sure. Like, I'm content with it being that kind of, like, Samus Returns, where it's, like, we're introducing additional mechanics. There are, you can, like, you learn to become really good at this. But it's still possible for anybody to complete the game. Yeah, sure. I, I, it, it is interesting to think about how uh, Mercury Steam did what they did with Samus Returns. Just because the game is, like, the whole point of that game is hunt down and kill all the Metroids, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it's, like, in its premise, it is a more combat-focused idea than the rest of the Metroid games. Um, and I, I think Zelda 2 does have some of that. Like, it is still, like, an exploratory kind of whatever. Um, but, like, the bosses at the end of each of those uh, levels is not, like, a trick to fighting any of them. You just have to be good with yeah. the sword and board. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that that would be the way to do it is really lean into the combat. Not necessarily making it super difficult, but just making it specific. A feature yeah. of it. Yeah. 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 That's a really good point. Also, I'm trying to think of Metroidvania games that have, like, a big, like, world map for you to walk around in. I can't think of any. So, that yeah. would be interesting. We're inventing new game types (laughs) as we go. Um, All right, next is a little bit of a diversion. You would think that we would move at this point to A Link to the Past, but we are instead going to talk a little bit about uh, the Game & Watch games uh, that feature Link and The Legend of Zelda as a property. There is a Zelda Game & Watch, uh, which was in like the clamshell thing. It had two screens on it. Um, There is a Zelda... It's not a Game & Watch. This is a Zelda Game Watch. It was a literal, like, wristwatch that you could, like, do some dungeon crawling on. And then, of course, Vermin. They're the version of Vermin that is going to be on the uh, Zelda game, the Legend of Zelda game and watch that's coming out later this year. Uh, Vermin is basically, like, the whack-a-mole style game. Uh, and in the game and watch, it is, uh, of course, Link, and he's bopping Octoroks instead of moles. Um, Mark, do you think there's any way to present uh, game and watch games now? for modern audiences or is that just like pure novelty did you have like game and watch growing up like i had like a tiger electronics the closest thing i had was like a tiger electronics uh teenage mutant ninja turtles type thing and i put a lot of time into it because it's what i had right but i never really liked those games and so i'm never really drawn to them but one thing that uh like comes to mind right now is when they re-released Mario 64 on the Nintendo DS. Yes. And they added, like, a bunch of, like, mini-games yeah. to it that, like, featured the Nintendo DS, like, touchscreen, like, yep. utilized mm-hmm. it. And I wonder if, like, that's a way to recontextualize these, is put them on a mobile phone, yes. right? Like, yes. update the graphics, like... Maybe actually make the Zelda like they uh Nintendo just teamed up with some company to make like a, a uber expensive limited edition like a digital like smartwatch basically yeah and it's like yeah maybe you 
you have one for Zelda and the Zelda game watch is like a feature on that. I mean, can can they just sell a an Apple Watch app that is Yeah, I mean that would be that could be cool. The the Zelda uh, game watch like I yeah, I think mobile is 100% the way to go here. And probably what they should do with all their game and watch things, put them all up on uh put them all up on the App Store for like whatever the lowest price point is. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like you almost should just give them away. You should just give them away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think that's 100% right. And you can sell, like, alternate skins so that, like, to actually play the Zelda version of Vermin instead of just, like, regular old Vermin. Right. Yeah. I guess the, the other way to do this would be what we are seeing with the Zelda game and watch later this year, where right. it's like, oh, we'll just l- release them as limited edition, you know, like, $50 re-releases yeah. so collectors can hoover them up. Yeah, yes. And that's if you want to create a collector's market and uh frustrate most of it, then that's what you do. Um I uh I've I've gone back into the office, Mark, um, and I brought my uh Super Mario game and watch in, and so it is plugged into a computer because it has to be plugged in so that it can sh- display the time. Uh and I see Mario like showing me the time all that's the time. Fun. And it is great. It makes me very happy, and I can pull it down and, and play Mario when I'm bored. Um but uh, yeah, now I'm going to have like a second one of these things. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Now we can move on to A Link to the Past, uh, the Super NES slash Super Famicom game from 1991 in Japan, 1992 in North America and the rest of the world. Uh, another one that has been ported just about everywhere. Um, it was on the... Uh, ported to the Game Boy Advance. Uh, this one was not in the uh, collection of Zelda games that made it to the uh, GameCube, but it's on all the virtual consoles, uh, except only the uh, new 3DS, not the regular uh, 3DS. It's on the Switch, uh, this uh, SNES Switch Online, and the Super NES Classic Edition. Um, I guess there's also the the thing to note here that it has been, uh, there have been additions made to it, when it was released on on Game Boy Advance, but that is not the version of the game that I know, and not the version of the game that has been ported over to all these other uh, other places. Um, but is that where you first encountered a, a Link to the Past? I can't remember if it's where I first encountered it. It's definitely where I first beat it, like all the way through, sure. from start to finish. So, did you play in conjunction with that any Four Swords? Adve- just Four Swords? Yes. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I. Uh, those two things, like, I did experience them at similar times, but they feel like divorced experiences. To okay. Me. All right. Like, it, I, yeah. Yeah. Like, Four Swords is definitely, definitely its own thing. Okay. So, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. One of my favorite games uh, of all time. Arguably my favorite game of all time. Well, one of the things that is interesting about A Link to the Past yeah. is that A Link Between Worlds is very much inspired by, like, A Link to the Past. One of the few times that they take, like, basically the same world map and mm-hmm. transplant it on and to a new so, game. I, but I don't know that that's exactly what I would do. Right, um, like, just put it in, that en- en- yeah. in, the, in the new engine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I would either. Um, especially because, like, the way the three-dimensionality of A Link Between Worlds feeds the gameplay, right? Yeah. Cause, because you keep uh, turning into the painting and, like, gliding along the walls. Um, it wouldn't... You would feel it missing 
from A Link to the Past. I, I This is honestly one where I'm stumped. I don't know how to bring it into the modern era. Okay. I think where we have to start, as much as I hate to do this, because I'm such a positive person. Oh, boy. We have to look at the flaws. Ooh, are there any? Seems like there probably aren't. (laughs) (laughs) That's also hard. Um, It is kind of the perfect game. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I honestly don't know. I don't really have any complaints about a link to the past. Would you change the art style? Why? No, I don't think you would change the art style. Yeah. It's pretty good. None of the dungeons, I mean, like, maybe towards the very end, the dungeons get a little obtuse, but, like... But never in a... Yeah. Never in, like, the worst way that some of the other Zelda games can. I mean, I, I don't... I, I feel like I know I've got blinders up on this one, right? Yeah. Um, But I just love it the way it is. I would never want to see it changed. I really... I don't have anything. I don't really have anything. Um, So there is... An additional there there are a few things that were changed in the Game Boy Advance version that I would like to see come back okay. uh, in in a uh, in a new release of the game and maybe like it's a toggle you can turn it on and off um, and uh, you would just get these things instead of having to earn them through playing uh, Four Swords but there is a a, a new dungeon uh, a side quest involving the um, the lumberjacks and. Uh, uh, so some new moves that you get by like earning it through four swords and like i would just like to see look just like a few more features one extra dungeon just like give me one more thing i will pay full price for a link to the past i feel like i'm like shirking my duties here because it, it seems like we should come up with something but i genuinely don't really know what needs to be changed about this game i mean like yeah. so many uh there are this is inspired so many indie games that uh want to like remind you of your experience with a link to the past yes like it if it was released today as an indie game it would be like oh yeah, yeah it, 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 it would be a new classic yeah, yeah. absolutely so, i don't know i don't know <laughs> this I, is an impossible task i think a link to the past might be perfect might be perfect yeah. uh so just uh keep releasing it every <laughs> couple years um all right mark we are moving on now to links awakening on the Game Boy, originally released in 1993, and then re-released on the Game Boy Color in 1998 as Link's Awakening DX. Um, And at this point, uh, this is the color version of the game. It has the color dungeon. It has uh, the camera shop uh, and uh, a a few other things. Um, And this is sort of the version of the game that persists in its many uh, re-releases on Virtual Console and then eventually on uh, the Switch in 2019. that that is, uh, you know, it, it has the color dungeon. It has all, all those other things. Uh, 2019 also brought the, like, way brand new art style and uh, Dampy the, the Gravekeeper and the, uh, what are the chamber dungeons, the sort of, like, build-your-own-dungeon stuff. Um, so it's been updated recently. Yeah. Remade uh, or remastered. It's, it's tough to say what it is because it's the exact same game otherwise. Yeah, I, I would say totally it is remade because okay. you know everything had to be recreated from scratch yes they but they just chose to be very um truthful to the original game right like everything is one-to-one tile for tile right so and i think that's the downfall of this remake mm-hmm. as much as i love the art style i love the music i love the experience of revisiting it almost like it, it, it is the perfect form of Link's Awakening as it was released. Yeah. 
but oh. th- there are a lot of oh. there are part of but. like there are a lot of like parts of Link's Awakening yeah. that didn't age that well, and so yeah, you can uh you they were able to remove some of those rough edges because there were more buttons to work with, so you weren't having to constantly dive into the menu to switch items and like those minor annoyances. But there's still like the problem that a lot of the dungeons are not fun. Yes. And go on too long, especially towards the end. The dungeons just become like really obtuse, really much too long, like that kind of stuff. And so, but I don't really know what to do with that because at that, like, how do you modernize what is there and not like change it too much? Well, I mean, so here's, here's, Maybe a, a strange take. Can we just redesign the dungeons? Mm. Like, can we take modern Zelda? Can we get the Twilight Princess team or the Ocarina of Time team to uh, look at the original dungeons and take like the one core concept in them, the one item that you have to get to get through it, um, and just redesign the dungeons entirely? Oh, that would be that would be cool. That would be cool because I I really do think. The strength of that game is like the characters in the world and the dungeons uh, and the bosses, not so much. Yeah. Oh, man. The characters in the world are so good. I also, this is a game where um, if they just did like a straight up sequel to it um, and like Link landed on another island that was like in the dream of another mythical creature, uh, I'd be like, okay, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And just like meet those, meet similar characters again. Um, like, I think that would be rad. Yeah. I mean, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but, like, they kind of tried to do that with the Oracle of Ages. Okay, they, sor- they sort of let Capcom try. Yeah, yeah, Is, yeah. is, is, is yeah. what happened. Um, interesting note here, Mark, uh, with the Zelda Game & Watch, and I'm so sorry for bringing it up so much, but with the Legend of Zelda Game & Watch that's coming out later this year, um, that has the original version of Link's Awakening on it, not the DX version, which I believe makes it the first time that they're selling the original wow. version since 1998. That's really... That's really cool. It's weird, right? It is weird. Because the other games on there are NES games, so it can do color. Yeah. But I actually think it's kind of nice that like there that version is getting out there again in yeah. some form. Yeah, I agree. The 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 sheer weirdness of it is totally worth it for yeah. me. Um speaking of the sheer weirdness, uh let's move on to the next category here. We're gonna discuss the Philips CDI Zelda games. This includes The Faces of Evil from 1993, The Wand of Gamelon, also from 1993, and Zelda's Adventure from 1995. Um, what the gameplay of these games, they're sort of like, sort of novelly text adventures with like graphics and stuff. Like no, how, I, I think they're... All right, uh, text is, adventures it, with graphics and stuff is what I, how I was describing it just now. I think it's possible that one of them is... But I, but they are, to my knowledge, all platform okay. of one form or another. Okay. Um, and not really like uh, Zelda games as we know them, but like poorly controlling platformers. Um, do you know what? You know how uh, uh, Netflix just said that they were getting to like mobile gaming, right? Okay. And Netflix and Nintendo were also reportedly in very deep talks to create like some sort of Legend of Zelda TV show. And then those talks fell through after like Netflix, somebody at Netflix leaked it to the press. Right. And, but I think it would be amazing to see this come back as some sort of like 
uh, remember when they did the, Netflix did like Black Mirror like Bandersnatch like oh, some absolutely. sort of like yeah. choose your own adventure slash platformer slash mobile game i don't know exactly how it would work but it feels like it needs to be like nick arcade live action stuff going on oh that's pretty wild nick arcade so okay we're like projecting ourselves into into these games Mm, not necessarily ourselves but i just mean that because like when i think of when i think of these games i think of that sort of like really awkward platform uh like setup yeah you have like characters kind of like existing in the world but out of the world and i don't know i just i feel like it would be kind of a retro trip to modernize them a little bit um what if we got the and i understand that like my first impression of them being like sort of uh text narrative adventures uh, is is not correct but what if they were uh what if they were all remade by um mages the company that redid famicom yes. detective club yes um and just like did them up nice and proper, uh, got rid of that like MS Paint aesthetic and like made it look like anime, um, and just gave us the same games, but just touched up, still with whatever clunk and jank is in there, uh, but just looking very nice. Yeah, or even like give it to mages or whoever to do like what you're saying, and you just like fix them. Sure. So you take the story, you take the idea, you take the levels, you take the mechanics. But it's, you know, it's like Billy Wilder said, and I'm butchering this, but basically the idea is like, don't, like, why remake good movies? You should remake bad movies. Yes. And make them good. It's like, yeah, you should take these three games and instead of being something that you are ashamed of and don't want to talk about, that would be the perfect way to celebrate Zelda's 35th anniversary. Bring us the Faces of Evil. Bring us the Wand of Camelot. Bring us Zelda's Adventure and be like, look, we took these games from the early 90s. They were a mess. We've made them like stone cold classics. Oh my God. Okay. So, I mean, here's what, this is maybe the pitch from here on out is take whatever game and turn it into a classic. (laughs) I mean, honestly though, like just taking the uh, concepts of these games Mm -hmm. or even like the, give me the log line of each game and then let a Nintendo studio like go to town remaking it. Like, let's just do that. There's nothing sacred here, right? Like, this is land that should be trampled because you're going to kick up something more interesting than was already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't really have a pitch. The pitch is just make them again. <laughs> make them good. Make them good this time. Um, I feel like we're going to have a similar reaction to the next category here, which is the Satellaview ga- games, um, which were released for the BSX Super Famicom add-on. Uh, in Japan in 1995 and 1997. Uh, the games are BS, The Legend of Zelda, which we already sort of talked about, which is a remake of the original Legend of Zelda in the A Link to the Past engine, and a game called Ancient Stone Tablets, which was an episodic game that ran for a specific hour, like an actual hour that you had to log on to the game and play and try and get as much stuff done during that time. Um, it was sort of a sequel to A, a Link to the Past, uh, except no one played as Link. You're all like either male or female avatars. Um, and it's like a high score chase kind of thing that you could upload your scores and get like actual prizes from Nintendo. Um, so it w- this almost has a little bit of that like Nick Arcade element to it. Yeah, where, like, yeah. It's sort of a game show too. Um, I don't so know. So remind me, yeah. I, I think I ask every time this comes up, but this is tell of you, yes. the way that that worked is like, all of the stuff could only be played for a limited time, right? Because it was all tied into like television broadcast signals that, or something. Yes, that's right. So it, it, they're broadcasting the game signal, 
um, with like live music performance with live voiceover from actors. Um, actually, I don't know if it was live or pre-recorded, but it w- it only happened at like a specific time as you were like tuned into it. Um, and so I guess like the question becomes, uh, is it worth trying to recapture any of these experiences without that like spontaneity or, you know, whatever, like the sort of time dependent. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, uh, how I would want these modernized is let us play them. (laughs) Yes. You know, like figure out a way to give them to us because this is a part of Nintendo ephemera, like Nintendo history yeah. that is all like whispers and legends to me, right? Like yes. I don't entirely understand how it works. I don't entirely understand what this experience was like and what a cool thing to figure out how to experience. And it is completely possible for them to do this. Like, I mean, this is basically just a live stream, right? It's uh, yeah. like, I mean, it's that, kinda... like HQ trivia thing. Yeah. Yes. Like it, this is totally possible. It is, a Tetris Maximus Cup. It is a um, yes. It's now Splatfest, our long Splatfest. Yes, you know, like uh, it is possible. There is a way to do this. And gimme, <laughs> how cool would it be? Like you are a Nintendo Switch Online. Sub- I mean, oh my God. I guess like the real cool way to do it, like give it to everybody. But but you know, like okay, you can fork over the nineteen dollars <laughs> a year <laughs> if you're enough of a Nintendo nerd. Yeah, that you would be like, oh my gosh, I have an opportunity to play these like the Teleview games again. Oh then yeah, the twenty bucks would probably be worth it. But yeah, I would. That's all I want. It doesn't have to be updated graphics. You don't have to even make them good. Just right. Let me play them. But I do think they need. So right now, it is it especially Ancient Stone tablets only exists. It doesn't exist. A, but B, if it did exist and was playable somewhere, it would just be four discrete one-hour chunks. Um, for a max game play time of four hours. I love it. I love it. I mean, there there is something very like cool and appealing about that. If they're like. Uh, every weekend, you know, there's like six hours where you can do like the first hour, six hours where you can do the second hour. Uh, and I realized I said every weekend, and I'm really breaking it up into just doing it all in one day. But whatever, like there, there is something very appealing about that. And if they wanted to make like more scenarios um, to be available for just a couple hours, like that would be cool too. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, Mark. Now, I think things get tough here because the next item on our list is The Legend of Zelda. The Ocarina of Time on the Nintendo 64, originally released in 1998, has been ported and uh, adapted a number of times. It is on the uh, GameCube uh, collection uh, with Majora's Mask and the first two Zelda games. It also is on a disc with the Master Quest, um, which is the game with sort of remixed dungeons. Um, It is available on virtual consoles on the Wii and the Wii U. And then, of course, remade in 3D on the 3DS in 2011. Um, Not only is it in 3D, it has improved graphics, textures, and frame rates, revamped item system utilizing the touchscreen, tilt-assisted aiming, the Master Quest mode returns, and there is a boss rush mode. What do you do to update this game for now? Especially because a lot of the stuff that, you know, you could... The easy stuff, a lot of it has already been done in the 3DS remake. So my first thought was, oh, just like bring it to Switch. Yeah. But, you know, like they've done it with Miitomo. Miitopia? Miitopia. Yes. Yes. Miitopia. That's right. Right. Um, Miitomo, I think, was the short-lived like social. I I believe you're correct. Yes. Uh, So, yeah. So they've done it with Miitopia. But I feel like the difference is that 
you couldn't i don't think they could really get away with just like up the 3ds's graphics i agree with this for ocarina of time yeah because it is such a like sacred touch point for so many people that it i i just don't i don't think that it would be received very well yeah i mean i i absolutely agree with that i think that if they put it out if they put uh, ocarina of time out on switch it would need to be a technical powerhouse it would need to be a showpiece for what the switch can do yeah i mean don't get me wrong if you found out if you found a way to put 3ds start putting 3ds games on switch and you were selling them and like you didn't up it or anything they were just like 3ds virtual console essentially like i would buy i would buy games yeah so would i in that version but i think as boring it is as it is my pitch for this one is like take what was done for ocarina of time 3d and then just redo the graphics yeah maybe maybe you go like full tilt and you do an orchestrated soundtrack you know something like that that's good but as far as like quality of life improvements i feel like the 3ds remake is what i want out of that yeah well and also like I think at this point it is worth uh, pausing to say that the Ocarina of Time 3D on the 3DS uh, is like the model for how to improve these games while keeping them the exact same, right? Like it is undeniably Ocarina of Time, but everything about it is better. Everything. Um, So like it's sort of as though Nintendo already did what we're doing 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're just saying, do it again. Like, mm-hmm. do it, do another pass on it. Yeah. Um, which should we move right then into Majora's Mask? Sure. Because I think that's way more complicated. I agree. Um, Majora's Mask originally released on the Nintendo 64 in the year 2000 and it required the Nintendo 64 expansion pass. I believe only one of two games that required it, right? That and Donkey Kong 64. Hmm, I'm not sure. That could be true. Maybe Perfect Dark also. Uh, Not many games uh, actually use this thing. Um, It was available on uh, virtual consoles on the Wii and the Wii U. Um, It is part of the Zelda Collector's Edition disc on the GameCube uh, and was remade for the 3DS as Majora's Mask 3D in 2015. Uh, Again, improved graphics, textures, and frame rates, a revamped item system utilizing the touchscreen, tilt-assisted aiming, and lots of little gameplay tweaks to make the game's time-traveling tasks more manageable. Yeah, and, like, bosses were changed. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I I know a big one that is really, like, a love-or-hate thing is they changed the way you control Zora Link when he's swimming in the water. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like, I still feel like the perfect version of Majora's Mask doesn't exist. I agree with this. Where it's like, I want a little bit of the stuff that was changed for the 3D D remake, but I want a little bit of the stuff originally that was in the original game and like finding a way to, it's almost like I would love to see them just take a third shot at redoing this right and this is different than the uh thing that we said before of like just apply the same process again so much as like go back to the source material and try to do the 3d remake again yeah yeah um what is the name of the company grezzo right Mm -hmm. that that made this um 
I feel like Grezzo maybe got high on their own supply, right? And they they were like, maybe that's the wrong. Uh, they they were they were they they were feeling good about their previous remake, and we're like, we can do whatever we want to make this game better, and they overstepped their bounds. I I wonder because obviously these projects are going to be like s- s- overseen very closely, of course, by Nintendo. I think that Majora's Mask is just a more co- a game with a more complicated legacy. Yeah, right. Like um, it is not to everybody's taste. It is a lot darker. It is a lot weirder than Ocarina of Time. It is almost like Zelda 2 in its, like, the system, the way you play uh, Majora's Mask is so different from Ocarina yeah. of Time. Yeah. The experience is so different from Ocarina of Time that I, uh, and, you know, there are people who love the original Majora's Mask, but I think in doing this, I think Nintendo was deliberate in trying to um, almost align it a little bit more with the rest of the Zelda series. I think Even though, right. like, you're like, how does changing Zora swimming do that? I don't know. But th- that is my sense of it, is that they were like, okay, let's, like, well, one of, I mean, bring the, this back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to, to your point about the, the Zora swimming, one of the things that they did is they slowed down the swimming speed, and that if you wanted to go fast, it, like, ate up your magic, uh, which means that you, it, it makes it a less, like, dynamic uh, sequence, but it also makes it easier to like control. Like one of the complaints with the original um, that they seemingly were trying to address is that like you couldn't do the finer uh, bits of motion because Link is moving too fast. Um, and so in some ways, that's like sanding off the challenging edges. Um, and the game is about challenge, right? It's about uh, Link having this oppressive challenge over his head at all times. It's the moon that's going to crash into there. Um, and I wonder if like um, instead of leaning into uh, remaking like the graphics and gameplay to be more like uh, Ocarina of Time, if they leaned into the darkness uh, and challenge of Majora's Mask. Um, and so like maybe even the visual aesthetic isn't to just clean up the graphics, but maybe to stylize them further. Like maybe lean into a more, you know, Burton-esque Grotesque. Corpse Bride, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas sort of aesthetic. Um, and like, keeping that sort of cute that's off-putting um, and really just putting that difficulty forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, for me, I don't need it to, like, I think Majora's Mask's themes and everything are so weird and dark already. That that's true. That's for true. me, like, I don't need it aesthetically to be weirder. I, my boring answer is, yeah, I just want them to kind of, like, forget Majora's Mask 3D which I did not dislike. Like, I, I had played Majora's Mask so far, long before I played the 3D remake, that I could not have told you what changed. Right. You know, like, right, when right. the bosses were different, like, I did not remember the previous boss. It was like, oh, okay. Like, I had no idea. That being said, I would love to see a, like, another attempt com- forgetting that the 3D remake exists at, like, okay, Knowing another 10 years out, knowing what we know now, um, yeah. th- with the tools available to us, how would I approach Majora's Mask starting fresh with that? Yeah. Well, and I think there's also just like something, if, if they could just like sort of speed up the uh, like time between the, the intervals of like set, setting the clock back, there is something very roguelite built into the structure of Majora's Mask of like, how successful were you this time through? Okay, now go back and try it again. Yeah. Um, that like if there's just some of that like quickness of the retry 
um, that it could it, Im- improve the experience of playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Mark. Now we are moving on to a uh, territory that is very familiar to us as we just got finished, uh, as we just finished playing one of these games. Uh, we are on to the Oracle of Ages and the Oracle of Seasons, oriz- originally released on the Game Boy Color in 2001. This is two games uh, developed by uh, Capcom and published by Nintendo. Um, they were re-released on the 3DS Virtual Console in 2013. Mark, what would you do to these games? Uh, and I just I lumped them here together as a uh, sort of one game, uh, but we can choose to either treat them as two separate games or as as one game. What 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 do you think? Uh, I'm fine lumping them together just because we just really recently played Oracle of Ages. Um, season no yes yes seasons was the one I thought played, we were playing you played I a little it, bit I of messed seasons. up I messed you up. played a little bit of seasons but anyways I my memory is that the experience of both assuming that I played Oracle of Seasons before which I think I did but it's possible that I played Oracle of Ages the um the experience of the two is similar enough and I think that the challenges of them are similar enough like the things I would want to update are similar enough yeah I'm okay lumping them together so where where do you start. Because I think for me, I need like almost, almost a teardown, right? That like I need all the dungeons redesigned in the same way that we pitched for uh, a link to the or uh, Link's, Link's Awakening. Awakening. Um, I need the overworld tweaked so it's not as uh, obtuse to try and traverse it, and I need all the characters rewritten to be more fun. So like I and I would uh, like to have the Link's Awakening switch graphical style so like i sort of feel like tear it all down and build it all back up yeah i kind of feel that way too and it's not that everything about oracle of ages is irredeemable it's just that it's difficult i just found it difficult to play yeah yep and so like um so yeah i i would want that too because i think that what i would want is that opportunity to take the stuff that i like about oracle of ages and amplify that and then turn down the volume on all the stuff around it. Right. And to uh to the point about turning down the volume, uh remake the soundtrack because it is excruciating. And by to hear. remake like rewrite. Re yes. Like do not use the music that was composed for Write new music. Pages. Yeah. Write new music, arrange it in the same way you did uh uh, uh Link's Awakening because that's beautiful mm-hmm. and charming as heck. Um Here's something else I would I would like. I would want the two games to be released in a single package mm. as as one game. Uh, and when you do something in one game that has the ability to affect your gameplay in the other, that it like shows it to you or offers to like bounce you over to the other game or you know whatever. I mean, w- one game meaning in one package, in one not package, like yeah. combining the two games into a single experience. Y- y- but also sort of that like um, that you could have games going in like each one and maybe like you're collecting shared heart container pieces or you know something mm, to just sort of like um encourage you to play both games together either at the same time or one right after the other yeah because the i uh, that's interesting i the i wonder about that because the game is not short right one of the games that's true. is not that's short true. and so trying to put them together i wonder now that being said Maybe the best way to experience these would be like a condensed version of each, like greatest hits yeah. of both. Smart. And figuring out a way to make it like one cohesive experience. So instead of each one having eight dungeons, it's like a total of eight. And we're just going to take the highlights. 
by take the highlights, I mean like we're just gonna remake <laughs> them in almost entirely. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that does make sense. Is do like an an or, uh, Legend of Zelda Oracles, uh, and then like mash the two games up together. Because what is really frustrating or interesting, I guess, but frustrating in practice about these games when we replayed Oracle of Ages recently is that it is a game that was released in 2001, but feels like it was released in like 1991. Yeah. And so I, I had to keep reminding myself that, and it is a Game Boy Color game, right? So it is fundamentally based on the Game Boy hardware, but I had to keep reminding myself that this came out in 2001 because it feels creaky. Like the mechanics yeah. feel creaky. It just, um, in a way that like Link's Awakening has somehow escaped due to its charm, like these games are, are they're not able to like escape the quicksand of like being on Game Boy hardware. Yeah. Well, and I think this is, you know, the exception to the Zelda thing that I started the show uh, by talking about that like all the other games seem built for the hardware, uh, whereas these two Oracle games are sort of built vision first. And then they crammed it onto onto the Game Boy carts, mm-hmm. um, and you know maybe now free from the constraints of what the Game Boy cart can and cannot do, um, you know they can make some choices about what to, what to keep and what to throw out. Yeah. Okay, so that's I mean that is a that's a big overhaul. It's a big ask. We're saying remake two games from from the ground up, cram them together into one game. Uh, it's a tall order. I don't know that we're going to see that one. Um, Mark, we are now moving on to the Four Swords, which. Uh, was originally released on the Game Boy Advance along with A Link to the Past in uh, 2002 in North America, 2003 in Japan, um, and which was later remastered on the uh, DSi and the 3DS as Four Swords Anniversary Edition in 2011, um, which also included uh, a single-player mode um, and two new dungeons, and it was only available to download for a limited time, was re-available for about a month in 2014 to celebrate A Link Between Worlds, and is currently, uh, not available to download anywhere in any form. Um, what do you do with Four Swords? And it, do we also bring in Four Swords Adventure at, at this point as well? So, uh, Four Swords Adventure for the GameCube is interesting because it, it used the um like game boy advance connector right was the i guess you could play by yourself but really the way it was designed is almost like triforce he- heroes like yeah where it's a multiplayer game first so it was four swords um and so really what i would like to see four swords i think is cool i think it is a i had fun with it when i played in, on the original release on a link to the past for the game boy advance i re-downloaded it when i had the opportunity for the 3DS because um, I think it's like a cool thing to have. And as with most of this stuff, like I would love to see it preserved and released in like some form or another. That being said, I don't think it's like essential playing. Yeah. Four Swords Adventures for the GameCube, I've never experienced. Yeah, neither have I. And so this is one where it's like, it would just be cool to have this one be a, be a, be a, be available. Yes. On a platform that I can experience it today, like the Switch. Like yeah. the Switch seems like kind of like a cool system to do it on, especially, I guess the Switch isn't really set up for it, but like if you could do it, a, like you have one person's docked and yeah. then, actually, why couldn't you do yeah, that? Yeah, you could. You have one, person, one person's docked and then everybody else is, you know, using their systems in their hands 
basically like you did with like the Game Boy Advance connector to the GameCube. Yeah, I, I think that'd be great. I think there's, uh, you know, we're sort of circling uh, with like this and the Satellaview games um, that there are these uh, sort of like multiplayer or like uh, just like these experiences that are impossible to get anywhere else um, just because they're not like available or being streamed or whatever that could very easily just be part of a sort of like Zelda multiplayer suite on um, the Switch Online, right? Like if they're just like, this weekend is Four Swords, this weekend is Four Swords Adventure, this weekend is the Ancient Stone Tablets, um, and you just know that like you can log in, you can play a little bit of Zelda with your friends, and it's going to be different than something you've been able to experience the rest of your lives. Like, I don't, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I know the Triforce Heroes exist, so they based, yeah. so they did something similar to this not that long ago, but really, like, selfishly, I would just love to see a new Four Swords adventure game yeah. built for the ground up on Switch, Yeah, where it's like, great, yeah, multiplayer Zelda fun with my friends on a platform that I own. Like, give it to me any way you can. Yeah, a platform that I own and that I'm, like, actively playing multiplayer yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, that's, true. Like, that's we'll, true. We'll get to uh, Triforce Heroes at the end of next week's episode. As you can probably tell, we are nearing the end of uh, th- this episode now. Um, but when we get to Triforce Heroes, like, I kind of just want that game on Switch. Because, yeah. like, that's where I've got a big friends list. That's where I'm, like, actively playing. Yeah, just the ease yes. of, like, doing it, right? Yes. Like, you have your Switch. More of my friends have Switches than 3DSs. Uh It's much easier to connect with people, like all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, I just, I want that Four Swords experience, but I don't want to do the work of getting, acquiring a GameCube, acquiring the Game Boy Advance cables, you know, like acquiring Game Boy Advances. Like, it's just not practical, right? right? Unless you're like a collector, then it, it, and I don't know, I'm torn about a lot of this stuff because it is on the one hand cool, in the sense that, wow, like, that's, like, something that only a few people would be able to experience. Like, the setup itself is neat. It's a very of its time. But on the other hand, for the sake of just, like, keeping it circulating, like, I just want another Four Swords adventure game that's accessible to me. Yeah. And, I mean, may- may- maybe that is it. And maybe that is, like, the-, the heart of all of this is, like, just another multiplayer Zelda game. And especially, like, the, the way that we play Switch both um, as an online console and as a um, sort of like a local co-op situation, like just build in those options and like just to understand like the sort of difference between local co-op and online co-op and offer both um, in a 2D Zelda format. Like it's just, it's, it's rock and roll. Like that's, that's just what I want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that is how we would modernize the first, I don't know, like, 12 Zelda games. Except for Link to the Past, your perfect baby. Your perfect baby. Never change. Never change. We love you. Um, how would you change any of those games? Um, you can write to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. and let us know. All right, Mark, let's close this out. That, of course, means that we will be revisiting uh, the, or visiting, I guess, the uh, second half of the Zelda game, uh, the Zelda franchise on next week's episode. Um, Mark, there are some good ones to look forward to in there. We've got some, uh, some DS games. We've got some Tingle games. Like, it's, it's going to be a good I can't wait. convo. Um, so check us out uh, next time. But for now, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. You can share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share 
stuff. We like it when you do that. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. My name is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.